welcome to another edition of the Carbolane Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service. It's Paula Jamis. Paul, we're going to dive into our spray-applied fire-resistant material topic again for part two. We got Sean Younger back in here with us again. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me again, guys. Once again, if you want to get a hold of us, Paul, our email address... You can reach us at technicalservice at carboline.com. We're also on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP, and I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. If you listen to this thing and you want some, you know, input as to what we talk about, all you have to do is email us or hit us up on Twitter. We have actually done some episodes based on the feedback we have received. I think we have answered every request that we have received as we've now done a podcast on. Otherwise, we're going to have to get a dartboard. And I'm okay with that, too. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to jump back in here. Last week, we talked about our different Southwest fireproofing products briefly. We're going to get a little bit more into that today. Last week, I left you with a little cliffhanger. I know that you know these seven days have been rough for you as you're waiting to see what the deal with primers and SFRMs. Sean, is it a good idea to use a primer with these materials? This is one thing that goes against probably everything that you know as a Carboline Coatings rep. Coatings 101, you always think, well, you know, you, you have I got to sell them paint. Yeah. I got to sell them. <laughs> well, sell more paint. Well, you know, what do you do? You, you're applying something to steel. You prime it first, right? You have surface prep. You prime the steel, and then you apply your coating. With SFRMs, it's really counterintuitive because the highest bond strength that you achieve with these materials is to bare steel. It still has to be clean. It still has to be, you know, free of contaminants and grease and oil and things like that. But the best performance is going to be to bare rusty steel. Um, and again, when you're on a construction site, you can't have, you know, concrete and dirt and, and dust and things like that. It still has to be prepped, but you are not applying a primer typically. You want to go straight directly to that steel surface. So we're looking at something that's usually in like an SP2 or an SP3 type surface prep where we're just going through and scraping off everything that's loose and leaving that tightly adhered whether it be mill scale or flash rust is allowed to stay on the surface exactly not that you can't prime but how does priming the steel change the work that you have to do with these materials there is approved primers for southwest products okay so we have a and it's a short list of primers but there is a list that we have carboline materials that are approved if you have a prime substrate okay you're going to have to use one of our ancillary products, which is a it's an adhesive material. It's a water-based adhesive. It's called AD Type TC55 Adhesive. And this product is a water-based emulsion material. It's mixed. It comes in a five-gallon pail, mixed one-to-one, and it's just spray applied directly to the steel. And you would apply the SFRM then while that product is still tacky. Once it dries hard, it's almost like a like a you know, Elmer's glue type consistency of the product. So it's kind of a you're just spraying it on with either an airless or like just even like a Hudson bug sprayer, um, <laughs> and then coming right back over once it starts tacking up and applying the SFRM directly over. So you a lot of you who are familiar with working with concrete are going to see the same thing where they've got those adhesion promoters when you're putting on another layer of concrete, whether it's a patch or you're adding on to something. You paint it on and it, it does. It looks and it smells like Elmer's school glue. And and that's the kind of thing you're going to put on to promote the adhesion between these two dissimilar products. Yes. And, and, and that TC55 adhesive, this is approved for all the Southwest UL designs. So it's listed in all the designs as being acceptable. 
And uh, really, you know, when we see any primed substrate, we always want to recommend the TC55 sealer, unless we have certain criteria that we're saying, okay, we've tested this primer, either one of ours or, or a competitive primer, whatever it may be. Unless it's specifically tested and we have the adequate bond strength, we would use the TC55. And this whole bond strength issue comes into play from, this is a UL requirement, okay? So they have bond strength requirements where they say any prime steel has to achieve at least 80% of the bond strength you would have over bare steel. So that's a UL requirement. That's for our materials, that's for all the competitive materials as And well. is, is that the bond strength of the primer to the steel or the bond strength of the whole system? That's the bond strength of the SFRM to the primer or to the bare steel. So okay. if it's primed, it has to main, it has to achieve at least 80% of the bare steel bond strength. Okay, Sean, so it looks like as we're talking about the bond strength and when you need primers and when you don't need primers, something that comes up a lot is the lath that is frequently used with these types of materials. How does the lath play in with whether or not there's a primer or how thick we need to be, what the rating is? What's what's the lath do? Okay, the lath requirement, this is this is also a UL requirement for all SFRM materials in the market. Okay, again, this is for all Southwest and for all of our competitors as well. UL has specific requirements for primed steel. So you have, first of all, is if the steel is primed, we're gonna apply our TC55 sealer okay that's just a, a bond promoter if you have an approved primer that we've already bond tested you may not need the the 80 tc55 because we've already proven that we have the minimum bond strength to that approved primer mm -hmm. on top of that there's ul requirements where they have size requirements of the steel so if a primed piece of steel even though it's an approved primer and even though you have adequate bond strength UL has size requirements that if the steel is bigger than specific sizes, it requires strip lath to be applied either by means of uh, like shooting it in with powder actu actuated fasteners or welded pins or whatever means to attach the lath to the substrate. The requirements by UL is that if, if any flanges, like the, the flange width is greater than 12 inches on, a, on the, again, we're talking about only for prime steel, greater than 12 inch flange needs a piece of three and a half inch minimum strip lath on that flange. For the web depth, if a web depth of prime steel is greater than 16 inches, you also need the strip lath down the center of the, of the web as well. For tubulars or round steel, if the diameter or the circumference is greater than 12 inches, you would put strip lath on four sides of that tube or four sides of that pipe. And then the other requirement is that the, the pieces of strip lath can't be greater than 12 inches apart from each other if you have a really massive uh, tube or pipe. But those requirements are, are something that's overlooked. So, you know, if you're, if you're talking about, well, I'm gonna go ahead and prime this steel because it's gonna be better corrosion protection. You gotta keep in mind that when, when you're priming steel under SFRM, you're opening up this whole uh, arena of this requirement for lath that's commonly forgotten until it's too late and then you're in a situation where you have to do that and, and have to apply that strip lath to meet the UL requirements. Basically it's a really good idea to not prime if, if you can. We could do more on that but we're going to jump into and I want to get into the nitty-gritty here on some of these products. So last week we talked about Southwest Type 5 
and Type 7. So the Southwest Type 5 is gypsum-based materials, and there's two different ones. Sean, can you kind of give us a little bit of the difference between the Southwest Type 5 GP and the Southwest Type 5 MD? Okay, so the Type 5 materials, when, when you hear Type 5, you should think, okay, these are both gypsum-based materials. The Type 5 GP is going to be a 15-pound density. The Type 5 MD is a 22-pound density. Um, both can be injected with our Accelerator A20 uh, Alum product. And Type 5 MD actually is a unique situation because it can be injected all the way down to a 16.5 density um, and, and still meet that high-rise bond strength criteria that we spoke about of 1,000 PSI. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a real versatile material. So it could be used for high rises. It could be used for you know regular um, uh, buildings between uh, 75 and 420 feet tall. But really, the the main difference between using GP or using the MD would be the height of the building that you're applying. And so, like we talked about last week, we're really controlling that density. The most efficient way to control it is with that alum injection. Is that right? Yeah, I, I mean any. Serious fireproofing applicator is going to be injecting. It's the only way to be competitive. If if you're not injecting, your actual density will be higher. So like type five GP uninjected might be somewhere of eighteen to twenty pound per cubic foot density. Okay, the only way you're going to maximize that density by meaning lower it down to that fifteen pounds per cubic foot range is through alum injection. Same way with five MD. The only way you're going to get the maximum coverage, which we, in coverage with these products, we're talking about board foot coverage, which is basically one square foot, one inch thick. Okay. We talk about board foot coverages for these products. The only way you're going to get the correct board foot coverage per bag is by injecting. Really, the injection gives you two benefits. It gives you a fast overcoat, so it makes the product set up in about 15 minutes. So you can come back and apply the second coat. In most cases, you're applying two passes and you're done with that area. Yeah, because I did notice most of these we're looking at with the Type 5 series, we're looking at a half inch per pass. And then for so if we're looking at an inch, that recoat time is going to be important. Exactly. So without alum injection, you're waiting 24 hours to come back. With alum injection, you're going back to back and you're moving to another area. So by not using the alum, we're saying you have to spend more time on labor doing the job and you're going to use more product per square foot than you need to be using. Correct. Because with that alum injection, you're going to get about a, about a 15 to 20% expansion of the product, actually the thickness applied, which means you're going to have that 15 to 20% coverage expansion as well. So it sounds like we're talking about a 15 to 20% minimum improvement in profits for the applicator when they use the product properly the way that we have designed it to be used. Yes. And let's plug that one more time. What is the Carboline Alum Injection product called? The Alum product that we use is our Accelerator A20. So if you're buying Type 5, just automatically order that Accelerator A20. You know, usually with these products, we're looking at truckloads of material. Right. These are big buildings. Yeah. So we're using, usually a truckload is about 800 bags of type five versus 40 bags of A20. So that's usually the the ratio you would go. So one truckload of material would require 40 bags of alum and that should be sold in tandem for each order. We also have the type seven and the type seven is Portland cement based. You know, we talked about it a little bit that it's a little, it's got a little bit higher bond strength and, and then you have a little higher durability version with the HD. So Let's kind of talk about the 7GP, the 7HD. 
and then get into some of the other products like the 7TB. Okay. And, and I want to mention too, we're not going to talk about injecting with the type 7 because that injection only applies to type 5. It, right. it reacts with the gypsum, not with the Portland cement. Yes. So uh, Portland cement-based materials, all the type 7 materials cannot be injected because there's no gypsum there to react with. Yep. Okay. So so it doesn't it doesn't work with those materials. The type 7 materials all have well above 2000 PSF bond strength, so they meet the requirements for all types of buildings. The 7 materials are generally used where you wanted upgraded durability. You are talking about a Portland cement, so a drastic improvement. Even just touching the materials, you can feel a drastic difference between the Type 5 and the Type 7. They probably dry a lot harder. It's harder. Don't they? It's, yep. it's just a, a more durable product. So you use the Type 7, either GP or HD. Areas where are prone to impact, high vibration. We talked about mechanical areas, elevator shafts, things like that, where, you, where you're worried about vibration damage or impact damage. Other things are such as uh, areas that are prone to high humidity, areas that are not climate controlled, where you're worried about, you know, having a product that can withstand that. But these are also, they are interior rated. So it isn't a fully exterior. If you want to go fully exterior, you're going probably over to our Pyrocrete 239 product. Okay. But so Southwest Type 7 still interior, but just upgraded durability and upgraded damage resistance, essentially. Now the Type 7 TB is a 22-pound density, just like the 7GP is. The TB stands for thermal barrier, and this is applied over foam insulation, like plastic foam insulation materials, and can provide a 15-minute thermal barrier protection to protect that foam from igniting for 15 minutes. Besides the Southwest Type 5 and Type 7 products and the different products within those categories, there's also some ancillary products that we use with this line. Yeah, we've, we've already touched on the Accelerator A20. Okay, so that that's, it's real important anytime if, if you're looking to use a Type 5 material that you use that in tandem with the A20. We've also touched on the ADTC55 uh, adhesive. This product is used primarily for the adhesive over the primed steel like we talked about. It can also be used as a sealer that's applied over the fireproofing to uh, really seal off the surface and prevent uh, dusting or just for promoting the bond strength of if you if for instance, you want to paint the SFR in black or whatever color it may be, you would always, always seal it first with the ADTC55 and then apply your top coat over that. Another product I want to touch on was the Southwest Type DK3 spatter coat. This material is used for flexible roof decks and also to other types of deck, horizontal deck applications. What this material is, it's a Portland cement-based product. It's just literally spatter applied onto the surface. It's uh, You're not trying to build thickness or even have full coverage. You just want to have, you're basically just kind of creating like a surface profile over the uh, deck. So you're covering about 70% of the area. And then that would set. And then you would spray your Southwest Type 5 or Type 7 over that. And that gives you like that anchor to, to hold on in a horizontal configuration. So you're creating a texture without actually having to do abrasive blasting or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's basically looked at as a, it's promoting the adhesion in a horizontal configuration. Anytime you'd have like a flexible roof deck, you'd always use the DK3. Um, could be used on some floor decks as well, but it's primarily used for flexible roof decks. One other a product I just want to touch on is there's a Southwest Type 5 AR. This is also a um, 
gypsum-based product. It's an extended set. So the reason you would use this is like, let's say you're, you're doing a high-rise building. You, you know, you have uh, all this material in your lines. At the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, you have to, you have to flush out those lines. So this Type 5 AR is a extended set material that can be pumped through and, and kept into the, in the equipment and in all your lines. And it can be set there overnight or for a period up to two or three days and will just set in the hose without setting up. So then what you can do is when you're ready to start spraying again, they can inject it just like you can with the GP or the MD. Mm -hmm. They would just spray, just spray kind of a light coat. It's a green color, so you would see the color change. But then they can just spray apply that, and then once the regular material starts coming through, they'll see the color change and then start going back and building their thickness. So this is generally, it's a, it's a convenience type material. Um, but it could be used in tandem with the Type 5 GP and Type 5 MD. And it's, again, that's that's also approved for all the UL designs for the Type 5 materials. It seems like this product line is really well thought out for the applicator and with the applicator in mind with all of these additional products to benefit their process. I mean, the idea that you could put a product in your pump and leave it in there overnight is such a huge advantage to having to clean out your pump every day. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it can save labor. You, you never know what you're up against. You might have a, a building being built. Um, like we have one right going on right down the street here, the Centene project right down on Hanley and Clayton, that uh, there's nowhere for them to clean out their pumps. So they're, they're switching over using the 5AR so they can just fill up their lines, fill up their, you know, standpipe, whatever they're using. And then next morning, they can just spray that out, light coat onto the steel, switch over to the to the Type 5 MD, and continue on. Um, That's outstanding. It yeah. really is. All right, Sean, thanks again for coming in. I think we're going to trick you into coming in one more time to kind of summarize and talk about a few more things with these products. We'll see you next Monday. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Like I said, if, if anybody has anything else fireproofing-related um, that you'd like us to cover, let us know, and, and we'll do our best to, to make sure we cover it. Absolutely. You got the contact information. All right. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean.